This is Food First Michigan on News Talk 760 WJR. Sponsored by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Creating a food secure state. And by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan. Now here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome everyone and thanks for listening. Peter Vogel has invested his one handful of life in the pursuit of helping others. Standing in the gap for those who need it, changing people and places, making things better, fixing broken organizations, and making a huge difference. He is successful at being significant, and he comes to Michigan from Reno, Nevada to lead the South Michigan Food Bank. He is one of the newest CEOs in our network, and he has his eyes on the prize, creating a food secure state by being highly effective in the counties he serves. He is a breath of fresh air, and he is passionate about our work, and he's our guest today on Food First Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. As promised, Peter Vogel, the CEO for the South Michigan Food Bank, is in the studio with Jerry and I. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, Doctor, and what a delightful day it will be. We're happy to have Peter here. I mean, uh, you know, we're when we talk about ending food insecurity in Michigan, and then you look at who's helping you do it, it's an honor and a privilege to have you here, Peter. Well, thank you. I'm a little fearful that maybe you thought I was the wrong person with your introduction. I wasn't sure <laughs> that fit, but, but all right, thank yeah, you for that. No, well, it's great. No, Jerry's right. It's great to have you in Michigan. It's great to have you here in the Fisher Building at WJR in our studio. And uh, we're excited. Thanks for making the trip over from Battle Creek today. Yeah. And uh, we want to know a little bit about you. Um, we know you came from, from leading a large organization in Reno, Nevada. And you've been in Michigan for a year. A year. So, yeah, tell us a little a bit about the background. Now, and um, and then I know Jerry's got a pretty important question to lead off with. So, yeah, so my background, really, I'm from Nebraska. I ended up sort of a transplant in Reno because of a job. I was the CEO of Catholic Charities in Northern Nevada for nine years prior to coming to here. But really, my wife and I are Midwest people, and so we right. really wanted to get back. And we love being in Michigan. I don't think I've been to any college football stadium any place <laughs> That has nicer people than the University of Nebraska. Yeah, we're proud of that, actually. Yeah, right? I mean, it's the total antithesis of <laughs> LSU. <laughs> Where they will mug you in a parking lot and take your tailgate, but Nebraska people, they invite you into their tailgate. <laughs> they, they do, and, and the one really quick story I will tell you, back in the days when Nebraska and Oklahoma were fighting for the national championship year after year after year, Oklahoma came into Lincoln, Nebraska, and we played a game that was just nip and tuck back and forth, and at the end, Oklahoma pulled out the win. And as they were walking off the field, the fans in Nebraska stood up and gave them an applause. And Barry Switzer was the coach back then, and he talked about that, saying, "When does that happen?" But we were—I mean, we cheered hard for our team that whole right. day. Yeah. But well, but once the game was over, we had to respect people that came in, were able to beat us on our home field, and so that well, doesn't happen. Well, that's exactly everywhere. what the Iron Bowl is like, isn't it, Doc? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> We're for Alabama and whoever's playing Auburn. Yeah. <laughs> I think that threw Switzer a little bit when that yeah. happened. I don't think he was quite yeah, sure what the cheering not. was about yeah. it. For no, they are respect. really nice. So uh, you're you. from Nebraska. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but you 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 kind of made a, a career out of moving to organizations that were maybe a bit unhealthy and then really helping turn them around and, and, and they become healthy. Yeah, I think as we get older and we get a little bit more experience, we kind of figure out what our niche is. I've sort of found maybe 15, 20 years ago that what I like to do, and hopefully I'm fairly good at, is taking organizations that have a lot of potential, not-for-profit organizations, that have a lot of potential but are sort of struggling and figuring out how to build them up. Um, my downside to that, to be really honest with you is when they kind of get to the size that they need to be i get a little bored and i start looking for my next challenge yeah well uh, i think we're gonna we're gonna solve that one here in michigan because <laughs> we're think gonna keep the challenges coming yeah, that's exactly I don't, right i don't think the temptation for, I, is gonna is gonna arise nearly as fast here well that would be good I, i'm really liking it here so right. my wife has already planted her roots down here already so i don't good. know that i'll get a chance to move again well i don't one, think she'll come with me you've been in michigan for one year jerry what what do you what do you thinking there? Well, you know, I think one of the most interesting things when you come from a away and bring new eyes to a place like Michigan um, is, well, you were recruited, right? People right. reached out right. to you and said, would you come here? And in that, there's a little sales that goes on, right? This is what's great about here. And oh my gosh, this is why you're perfect. Then you get there and you go, huh? Oh, <laughs> Some things happen the way you thought, and some of the sales pitch isn't exactly right. <laughs> so, uh, so what I'm interested in is now after a year, what are some of the things that you've gone, wow, I, I didn't expect things to be this amazing? And also, what are some of the challenges that you've seen that you've thought, wow, I didn't expect that to be so challenging? Well, I would say, um, and this is going to be in a weird answer, but I would say the first thing that really comes to mind in terms of challenges is I grew up in Nebraska. So I figured I was used to the weather and the culture, but I had spent the last nine years living in Nevada. So I moved out here a year ago now, and if you all remember, that was sort of the time of the polar vortex. <laughs> so I moved out here at what? 30 below zero. <laughs> and uh, I really wasn't quite as prepared for that as I thought. And it's sort of funny, um, I started the, I think I officially started the job um, a year and two days ago. And the first two days, the place was closed because the weather was so bad. So I wasn't expecting all of that um, as sort of one little odd challenge. Um, but then it got to summer. Oh, summer, summer's completely different. The summers here in Michigan are the best summers any place anywhere. Right, um, yeah. I'm, My favorite season has always been fall, and I have to tell you, I was not looking forward to fall coming because summer was absolutely so gorgeous. Yeah. And sun is out for so long living out here. I mean, this is just absolutely ideal in the summer. Yeah, we think so, too. I think you suffer through the polar vortex <laughs> so you can enjoy the summer. Right? I, I That makes sense. Right, I, right, yeah. right. I have a feeling if it was winter all year round, people would maybe look for someplace else to live. But um, this is really nice. But people here are great. So you're, the food bank that you serve at, Peter, as the CEO, South Michigan Food Bank, right. that's, that's a name change that you brought about here in recent months. And also, could you list the counties that you serve out of that? out of that location? Well, you know, the geographic corners sort of make the most sense, right? So Kalamazoo County, um, and then right below it is St. Joseph County. Mm -hmm. I always want to say Joe, but St. Joseph County. Right. Um, and then we go up to Barry County right. is the highest we go to. And then we go all the way down over to Lenawee County and across the um, Indiana border. So that's right. our area. So we've got Calhoun County in there and Branch County. Um, so it's it's that sort of little box geographic. We don't go all the way to the west or the east, but right. we are along the southern border of Michigan, and it's eight counties right in there, with Battle Creek really kind of being right in the center, about the geographic center of our area. Right, right. And that's the South Michigan Food Bank, and so at Lenaway County, he kind of 
butts up right up to one of your counties, isn't it, Jerry? You serve Monroe. Yeah, right. That's exactly right. All right. Well, let's continue this conversation on the other side of the break. Let's let's take a quick one, pay a few bills. Okay. He's Peter Vogel. He's the CEO at the South Michigan Food Bank. That's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight, and we're back in just a moment. Contact the Food Bank Council of Michigan at fbcmich.org. Now back to more Food First Michigan with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. And our guest today is Peter Vogel, the CEO of the South Michigan Food Bank, located in Battle Creek, Michigan. And uh, so, Jerry, you're asking some, like, what'd you expect? Was it different or, you know, you got the sales pitch, but okay. Yeah, right. That's right. Yeah. So So, the weather is always a shock in Michigan. If you don't like it, wait 10 minutes. Well, it really was a shock, to be really fair. But uh, to to follow up on your question, Jerry, um, here's one of the challenges that, I mean, I knew that I was, and and let me back up just a little bit, and I'll give you a quick history of the organization that I took over, right? So um, a a gentleman named Bob Randalls was the originally founder, and he he, um, ran the food bank for about 25 years um, and did a really great job with it and and really built up a really good reputation. And then in that sort of preceding five or six years, which I don't think is that uncommon in the not-for-profit world, that sometimes after uh, an original leader has been around a long time, that leadership can get a little bit challenging. We went through a period of about five or six years where... uh, the board hired um, three executive directors. Uh, none of them lasted more than a year, and then we had some transition in the meantime. So you can just understand there really wasn't a lot of real strong leadership there for a period of time, and the food bank kind of struggled um, and really kind of hunkered down and didn't really do a lot of community work. Um, but here's a simple story, and, and you were talking about, Dr. Phil, about we changed our name. I'll tell you why we changed our name, um, primarily off of one story that actually resonated a lot. Um, I did a television interview in Battle Creek. And the interview went absolutely just fine. Uh, and after the interview, we're off the air and we're sitting and chatting. And I ask her the obvious question, like, so I can just... This is the reporter. This is the reporter. No, this is the television right, okay. person that had interviewed so me on the She interviewed air. you. Now you're interviewing her. So, so we're off the air. And now I turned around and said, well, I just have a question. I'm trying to figure out what our reputation is in the community, right? So I just asked her, what do you think of our food bank? And she looked at me very straight faced and said, well, I would just give you one word. Toxic. I'm not exaggerating now. I will go to my grave remembering that she called us toxic. And um, yeah, when you're sitting in my chair, that hurts. Sure. Like, wow, how is it so bold that she would say toxic? No, really, give a give me two words. <laughs> yeah, right. No, no, no don't five. be so don't be so gentle, right? Yeah. Tell like, us what wow. you really think. Um and then I think the other part of the whole equation was we were at the time called basically the South Central Michigan mm-hmm. um, Food Bank. And um, our focus really had been Battle Creek. And so when I did go around in some of the smaller communities into Lenawee County and Adrian and some of the other places, uh, great, 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 fantastic people. Um, but the feedback I really got overall was I would say that, well, we know you're the Food Bank of Battle Creek, but we do appreciate you helping us a little bit too. And that, mm-hmm. was, that was really, really sort of hard to deal with. And I wasn't comfortable with that. So... I realized we needed to rebrand ourselves a little bit. We needed to change our reputation and our image, and we really needed to change how we were doing business. We weren't customer-friendly. Most of the processes we put in place were convenient for us and not for anyone else. So we've we've had to make a lot of changes. We really right. had to make a lot of changes. One of which is we changed our logo, we changed our name, and and um, and we've done a variety of things. I would say one of the things in, in terms of success, um, our food bank over the last couple of years had um, 
given out a little bit less food each year for the last couple of years, which is a trend that I didn't really like. And again, with the focus more maybe being more on Battle Creek, I wasn't comfortable with that either. So we really went on a mission this last year to get more food out into people, get more fresh food out into people, and really focus on looking at it like every county is as important as every other county. Now, one thing I'm really happy with is this last year we distributed between 18 and 19 percent more food than the previous year. And every one of our counties saw double-digit growth growth except for Branch County, and that grew 9%. And our fresh food increased 58%. That's so, phenomenal. So some awesome. of those... Well, and, and you know that's the that's based on the generosity of this community, and I, you know that is one thing that I found in a really positive way, um, is that coming into Michigan, people really, and again, I'm from Nebraska, so maybe it just sort of makes sense. I and mean, I sort of feel like I'm at home here already. But people have been open and generous and, and wanting to partner and wanting to help. And sure. um, I think that's just been a huge advantage too, is is I think in some places, especially maybe on the West Coast where I was, that I'm, I'm not trying to be critical, but you know, it, it really had to work really hard to build a lot of trust in people before you could ever really start to partner and collaborate with them. And I don't find that's the case here at all. I think people are much more open and willing to to try to do what they can to help. Pretty pretty good example, Jerry, of more food, more often <laughs> right. to, to more, more people. people. Yeah, right, that's, right, right. That's right. That's right. And uh, and speaking, you know, certainly getting to know Peter on the Food Bank Council Michigan board and and watching that develop. I mean, it's been very exciting. And I think, you know, one of the reasons why we believe this is a solvable problem is because people want to solve it. And you're just saying your experience has been, yeah, people want to come to the table when you're out there saying, let's fix this. They're saying, great, let's fix it. Yeah, yeah. So can I, can I share another observation? You yeah. were sort of asking that. And I think here's, so I have lived in a variety of places. I lived in North Carolina and Nebraska and the West Coast. And, and um, I kind of, my career has been about seven to nine years in every place. And when you first move into an area, I, I tend to sit down and make some observations. My observation of this area, and this is really maybe more Battle Creek than it is Detroit. I can't, I'm not really not speaking to, to Detroit, but our area of eight counties is really that there are more little not-for-profits per capita than any place I have ever been. Um, again, that might not, not necessarily be true here, but it really is my observation. And that you I think have, it's true statewide. Yeah. yeah, and I'm not, I'd be interested to see the dynamic. In our area, I think it has a tendency to some of the funders like Kellogg's and stuff being right there and maybe funding a lot of places. But I don't really know quite how that dynamic laid out. And it is interesting that United Ways seem to be sort of larger and stronger here. I mean, I know United Ways are struggling nationwide, but they seem to be doing better and they're healthier here. And I think it's because of that dynamic to some degree that if you've got money and you want to give it, there are not a lot of really big, strong, not-for-profit service providers. There's a lot of little ones. And so I think it makes sense to work through an organization like a United Way to be able to figure out who most deserves of some of those resources. Uh, United Way has an awesome history. Um, A lot of it has to do with labor and the labor movement. A lot of the traditional support for the United Way came from that place. And so Michigan has been a big manufacturing state with a lot of labor and and very successful labor unions. And it's part of the reason that they've been successful. But I think the other thing is, you know, the history of the torch drive is amazing. And as you say, it was a place people could give to one place. Right, and then right, have right, it reach right. a lot of places. Exactly. And so I do, and that I makes do sense. Think, yeah. I think that yeah. makes sense. Well, one of the key things I think that the United Way has uh, grabbed hold of and really helped, and you can see the work in the community and the benefit of it, is 211. 
Yeah. And, um, you know, none of us have a perfect system or a perfect model, but the 211 uh, system and model has, has allowed people to do the same thing that you're talking about donors doing, that if you're someone in need and you need a service, you can call 211 like you'd call 911, <laughs> and you can yeah, get yeah. directed to the service that is close to you in your community. Yeah. So it's kind of been a clearinghouse. While one donor could give to right. one organization and see that dollar get multiplied out, the people who need the service are able to call them as well. And I think that we have a great relationship with uh, with the Michigan Association of United Way. Mike Larson, he sat in that chair where you're sitting and shared with us uh, his vision for how we could all work together yeah. to really affect positive well, change. Well, and, and I think that's part of the equation too, Jerry, that, uh, you know, as I'm sort of talking about a lot of not-for-profits that are out there, I think um, one of the challenges that I would also say that I have seen is that because there's so many not-for-profits and, and some of them are kind of really living on the edge, and some of them kind of overlap in terms of services they provide that I kind of jokingly say that everybody's fighting over a nickel a little bit too much. And that's limiting how much people are really, especially the not-for-profit world, are, are interested in really or understand the value of collaborative collaborative efforts and partnerships, which is kind of why to some degree, honestly, Jerry, I'm, um, I'm looking at the, you know, the, the national food bank of the year over here and saying <laughs> one of the challenges, again, I will just say, I'm trying to figure out what to do. I went right to Jerry and said, what would you do if you were in my shoes? Right. And I listened to you for a day. Um, and part of that you came out and said, you really kind of need a cause and an effort a little bit. And we've been playing with that and we're taking on, we're going to take on the mission this year, starting this year of eliminating food insecurity of school age kids in our eight counties. But we're really going to try to do that in a collaborative effort, right? So Absolutely. we've already brought in partners like our local United Way from Battle Creek and Kalamazoo and Kellogg's and Firekeepers, the casino down there. And we're really looking to sort of build a collaborative effort, not only because I think that's the best way to make that work, but I also think it's really kind of beneficial for our community to understand and see a real active collaborative effort really making a difference because I think that can be contagious to a lot of others too. I love it. I love the vision, love the story. He's Peter Vogel. He's the CEO for the South Michigan Food Bank. That's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. And the three of us are back (laughs) in just a moment. Food first, Michigan. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. Welcome back, everybody. Jerry Brisson, Dr. Phil Knight, Peter Vogel, the CEO for the South Michigan Food Bank, drove all the way over today from Battle Creek to be in the studio with us. And uh, we appreciate that, Peter. Oh, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. It's so, not a polar vortex, so it, oh, there's something yeah. to be thankful for. Absolutely. Well, let's Absolutely. knock on something, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> First two days of work, and you didn't even show up. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still here, right? Yeah, right. So, you know, um, you cl- we closed that last segment about talking kind of the vision that you spent a day with Jerry and right. and walked away with some ideas about, you know, how you could begin to fulfill the mission with a very specific population, which is school-age children. Right. And, you know, we talk a lot a bit about, quite a bit about that on the show, particularly in the context of the legislative law here in Michigan that says that third grade reading level must be obtained by, and, it, and you know, and when you break that down, it's really the the entry level into third grade. So it's really second graders reading at the third grade <laughs> level is really how the, the, the it works. 
And we have a saying here on the show, Peter, we'll get your reaction to it, and it simply says that if a child, a student, is not well-fed, they won't be well-read. Yeah, that makes sense. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it's something, and Jerry, you have a, 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 a bit of a um, uh, bumper sticker saying as well in regard to this work with children, and um, and that is that you can't have a food-secure student in a food-insecure household. That's right. So when you start looking at where students are coming from and what they're bringing to their educational environment, teachers and social workers and principals will all tell you that that environment is critically important to the success of the student. One of the most significant parts of that environment is, is it a household that's food secure because of the stress that happens in a food insecure household and the trade-offs people are forced to make. Some of those are very dynamic and disabling to a student's learning. I mean, one of the most significant is a household that has to trade off whether or not they're feeding their family or whether or not they're paying their rent eventually end up having to move. Well, if you move one or two times a year because you can't afford the rent you're paying, what's happening in that student's learning environment? They're going from school to school to school. They're having to meet new kids. They're having to meet new teachers. They're having to get acclimated to a new environment. That's very disruptive to a child. So so when we talk about a food-secure household, it, it really does impact more than just what they're eating. It impacts their entire experience as a child, right? right, right. And, and that's why providing food security for school-aged children is so important. It's the food for sure. <clears throat> it's nourishing their mind and body so that they can learn well, but it's also stabilizing their home environment so that those families have fewer trade-offs every month and can be on with the business of having a successful and wonderful family. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that completely. I think that when you think about the primary profile of a client that the food bank is supporting, the type of family, right, they're they're mostly sort of working but really limited resources. And so a car breaking down and they don't have the money to necessarily pay for the repairs or a health care issue that, right, that, that can really derail people completely financially. And I think that's a lot of what we see in pantries isn't people struggling. And uh, Dr. Phil, I think I've heard you say this. We talk about this in our place a lot, but we're simply say that, you know, if, if you've got a kid and hunger is a major issue, they're food insecure, they have one problem. Right. right. They have one problem. And that's really something that I think really right. If you're if you're sitting there and haven't eaten for a day or two and you're a third grade kid sitting in school, how are you focusing on anything other than that? And right. I think that's just as the Right. That, that's just the crux of the whole issue. Well, it makes you think differently about snow days. Right. Yeah, right, right. God forbid they happen on a Friday or a Monday because then, now you've got three or four days where it has been strung, strung together where those children are don't have enough food. And, and, and so the effect of that, you know, and the other thing we hear a lot out of the school kids themselves, Jerry, is that... Um, you know, oh, if I can just make it to, you know, Mrs. Knight's class <laughs> or Mrs. Brisson's class, I know that they're going to have an energy bar there for me. So we've got teachers in this state yes. who are already underpaid having a Costco or a Sam's membership so they can go and buy things in bulk right. and keep them in their classroom. And I was like, oh, my God, come on, we can do better <laughs> than this. Well, yeah, and better, <clears throat> more and better. Right. Right. And we talk about if we're going to have a food secure state, we have to do both more 
and better. Right. So we've got to look at these systems. We got to make sure we're spending money and efforts in the right ways. We got to harness all the energy that people have who want to see this solved and get it solved. And now you're one of them. Yeah, and I'll tell you, one of the ways we're looking at that is you're talking about snow days. I think that's critical too. We're also really, really focusing on weekends and summers because a lot of these kids are getting their, you know, they're getting primarily their nutrition at breakfast and and lunch going through the school system. And so in our area, in my eight counties, we officially have 110,000 kids that are, are food insecure. And if the audience doesn't quite know the definition, that's missing three and a half or more meals every single week. So that's a significant number, and we're not comfortable with that. So that's really what we're trying to tackle is how do we come up with programming that gets food to those kids and, and those families. And that's the other thing, too, in a lot of ways is you might have a family that's really struggling. If our avenue in is through maybe a kid in fourth grade, why wouldn't that be a great way to not just get that kid food, but everybody in that family, if yes. that's our avenue in. So we're going to start really trying, again, when we're trying to tackle you know, eliminating food insecurity through school-age kids, we're really going to be trying to do that partnerships with a lot of the school systems. That's really the only logical thing for us to do. Well, I would encourage everyone to go to our website at foodfirstmichigan.org and look up the uh, show that we did with Paula Herbart, the CEO at the Michigan Education Association, MEA, and Paula Herbart was on, sat in the chair you're sitting in there. No, she was on the phone. I'll get that right. She was on the phone, but Paula um, is right in step alignment with what we're saying here in a philosophical and a practical, pragmatic way that we really have to address food insecurity among our children. If we're going to, and this has long range effects. It's not just about third grade reading level, but it's about raising the right workforce. It's about, it has tremendous impact into Michigan's future. Right. Hey, so um, let's take a break. We're going to come back and do another short segment with you. You can stick around with us, right? Sure, sure. All right. Jerry Bisson, Peter Vogel, the CEO for the South Michigan Food Bank. I'm Dr. Phil Knight, and this is Food First Michigan. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for listening to us. Jerry Bisson, what is your Twitter handle? I should know that, shouldn't I? GCFB Jerry, right? With I, a, do I got that right? Jerry with a... <laughs> with a G. GCFB Jerry with a G. Yeah, but you can always find at Gleaners. That's right. Always That's right. find at Gleaners. Mine is uh, at Dr. Phil 14 That's my Twitter handle. You can find us all over Instagram, social media. Food First Michigan has its own Instagram, and uh, we hope that you'll um, follow us and like our pages and and do that. Our guest today is Peter Vogel. He is the CEO for the South Michigan Food Bank, based out of Battle Creek and serving eight counties. Eight counties. Eight counties in Michigan. Give us those counties again really quick. Oh, you're going to just quiz me, aren't you? Yeah, that's right. right. (laughs) You didn't think this was for free, did you? Well, so yeah, we did change the name. It had been South Central, which probably sort of fits geographically. We just changed our name to South. But really, we go as far west as Kalamazoo County and straight below that is St. Joseph County, right? Right. And then we've got Calhoun County and Branch County and Barrie County, uh, Linaway County, um, Jackson County. Right. Um, Okay. Am I forgetting one? I think that's it. Um, So yeah, so we go all the way over to basically Linaway County on the east and as far as Kalamazoo County and and St. Joseph County on the west and then down to the Indiana border. That's awesome. So awesome. So it's a good nice size to work. 
Yeah. So, yeah. you know, one of the things that we talked about with your board, um, as you were in the process of being courted and, <laughs> you know, and wooed, uh, and we have to give a shout out to Jody Schaefer at HRM oh, yeah, Services, she's great. you know, super, super uh, professional who led our search for not only for South Michigan Food Bank, but for Food Bank of Eastern Michigan and for the Greater Lansing Food Bank. Right. Um, and then for me at the Food Bank Council right. about six years ago. So uh, Jody has a, her hand on our in our network very, very well. I have her doing my HR right now. Yeah. She's, she's great. Great. Jody Schaefer. So, um, so I, I, one of the roles that you've stepped into here uh, because of the virtue of your office as the CEO at South Michigan Food Bank is to be a member of the Food Bank Council. Right. And so, you know, to help our listeners remember, you know, there's one food bank council. We're the state association. We do the real trade association work and represent the seven Feeding America food banks here across the state that serve all 83 counties in the state. And we do that through a network of about 3,000 pantries. And one of the outputs we have that measures our success is how much food are we distributing. And last year, we distributed across our network about 205 million pounds of food, and over 80 million pounds of that was fresh produce, the vast majority of that being resourced right here in Michigan. Right. So you're a part of that, our association, the Food Bank Council of Michigan. What's been your take on that and with your other six food bankers, and, and what's that relationship been like? You know, the- it's been a little bit different. So, I mean, I have worked in some different, I worked in, you know, child care organizations and the Catholic Charities, and they all have some national organizations that are kind of connected to it. One of the things that I really like here that's completely different is that um, we really are a network, right? So, like one of the missions that you have, Dr. Phil, mm-hmm. is getting out and, and, and working with, you know, the legislatures and really getting to know people and getting to know systems. It's something that I always had to do on my own with a limited extra time that we had after running an organization to try to figure out how to do. Right. So it so really as a as a statewide organization, it just gives us so much more ability to to be honestly, to think about the future and plan for the future and figure out how to um, really make the changes. It strikes me as food banks are a little bit going through a transition. You know, the, mm-hmm. the 1980s model of just acquiring food, finding it where we could, not letting it go to waste, bringing it into our systems and getting out to people. It's still to some degree relevant, right? But it's sure. not, it's different. And so the ways we're going to have to be able to acquire food and trying to get fresher food and healthier food into people really make us change our systems. And in sitting in my chair, it is a huge, huge benefit to have the food bank council that's out running interference on the front end of us to be able to do that. So I love being part of it. We talk a lot inside our organization about how we really are two or two two focuses on one one is our eight counties we're right here in our eight counties and that's our priority but we're also part of a bigger team that's really covering the whole state and we're really really proud to be part of that yeah it's it's great for gleaners as well <clears throat> i mean to be able to share best practices to have people at the table who understand a little bit about the things you're going through but also because food security isn't a thing it's many things right it's yeah. a system it's a it's a whole environment that people are part of and so to have a, a big piece of that 
which is the federal programs, right, that pass through the state of Michigan, that have to be administered here in a certain way, to have the experts that understand that federal legislation and how it works so that we don't have to keep figuring it out. And especially when you have leadership change, which every food bank goes through, that then has to figure all that out as well. No, it's too much work for any one person, right? So to, to have experts at the state level, at the food bank council, who really know the dynamics between all of these various pieces of legislation. And again, the, the food work we do is important. The many pounds of food that we that we make available to our hungry neighbors because of our work, no doubt important. But when you put that up against the, the federal programs like yep. SNAP, um, which used to be called food stamps, or like the food that kids get in schools, or some of those other large federal programs, you realize that we're filling gaps between pretty big system blocks right yeah and and that's okay that's how it should be done but um but certainly having people at the table that understand those bigger pictures very important and when we start looking at reforms and ways those programs could look better and how we can intersect better with those programs like in the summer where only 17 percent of the kids who need food because they're getting that food in school during the school year are taking advantage of programs it just isn't working well the food bank council helps us understand what is that legislation and how do we think about getting waivers first and then ultimately long-term term changes so that more people get more food more often without necessarily spending more money. Right. And that's always an attractive um, component of our work is when you're not going in to ask for more from the legislature or from the administration or uh, any legislature or administration, be it state or, or federal, when you can say, you know, I think we can just do more with what we have. Let's try that first. Then we'll come back and tell you what else we need. Yeah. And that's a, you know, I, th- I think that resonates with uh, us, and we've, that's been our approach. So I appreciate those perspectives and kind words to our team at the Food Bank Council. We're taking on some pretty big things here. I mean, um, we've had a, a, a challenge given to us by the National Food Bank, Feeding America, that they would really like to resource more food from Michigan into the Feeding America network. Right. And that's a huge undertaking for all of us and it's one that has you know has challenged us and we're going to have to work even closer together as a network than what we've even done before and so there's a little stretching and growing pains that that are happening with that but i'm i'm probably most pleased that we're healthy enough as an organization in our relationships, that we can have those conversations. Yeah, I'm not really worried about that from my perspective, Phil. I would just say that coming in from the outside, and again, and I had never run, and I had actually never worked in a food bank organization before. My last job at Catholic Charities, we actually had such huge food programs. I moved almost as much food there as we had in our food bank that year. But the reality is, is, is some new systems and some new information. And um, one of the things that I really found, and I talked about it briefly earlier with Jerry, is like, I, I don't want to recreate the wheel, but we have have seven food banks in the state and I have yet to find one food bank that I call up and say I could I'd like some information I'd like some help with that didn't just sort of stop everything that they were doing and figure out how to sort of give me the information and right. so I mean it, it really we have a really great system within our whole sort of the Michigan I appreciate the leadership that you guys have put together but it's been really beneficial for someone like me who had an agency that I kind of had to clean up and figure out how to move it forward at the same time I didn't really have time to figure out all 
all of that. So it's been it's been it's been really a godsend for me to be able to land into such a well organized system that's so collaborative already by nature. We have really changed the culture. We've got great energy going on now, and it sounds really silly, but I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself to not make any missteps right now. <laughs> I don't want to lose our momentum, uh, our are energy. Good. Things so are good. They are. Yeah. Don't don't do something to screw it up, Peter. <laughs> You're right. Um, well, I, that sounds silly, but there's some truth to that. Well, I, I really admire the leadership work you've done, particularly in the creation of the culture, because culture is either, when it's negative, it's the most resistant thing in the planet. Yeah. And when it's positive, it's one of the most fragile. And so I appreciate your words. Well, and I would honestly say uh, we have made a lot of changes, and I would say that is clearly the most significant component of the changes that we've made. As culture, when I got in there, it wasn't a fun place to be. I had a lot of my talented staff looking for jobs. And um, now I think we maybe turned ourselves around to become already within a year an agency that a lot of people that want to work in the not-for-profit world are now turning and looking to us. What happens to healthy things, Jerry? They grow. Yeah, I believe that. They grow. Time for a little food for thought. Many are called and few are chosen is a saying once uttered by a great philosopher. Many are called, I want to change it a little bit. Many are called and few choose to accept the call. Jerry Brisson, Ken Estelle, Kirk Mays, Eileen Spring, Carol Ross, Michelle Lance, and Peter Vogel are the CEOs of the seven Feeding America food banks here in Michigan. They have all accepted the call. The call to make life better, to change culture, circumstances, and yes, the conversation about the importance of food security in the life of children, seniors, and everyone in between. They are passionate, smart, diligent, ethical, and strong where it matters in the ability to persevere. They strive to learn, lead, and lend whatever help they can to one another in the pursuit of taking hunger off the table and replacing it with access to healthy, nutritious food. They are experts in their field, experienced in their leadership, and stubborn to a fault. They are assembled for such a time as this to move the needle on one of the most controlling issues in the war against poverty, and that's food insecurity. Stay tuned to our show and stay inspired on how much progress we are making in our pursuit to help our hungry neighbors And until next week, let's keep food first, folks. Food first. Food First Michigan, presented by Farm Bureau Insurance of Michigan and by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.